We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I really like this question here from Archer 452. If Notre Dame had to play one school from every Power 5 conference every year, which school from each conference would you want to play? I dig this one. I really like this one. So let's start regionally, Ryan. Let's go Big Ten. If there was one Big Ten team, and I'll give mine, and then I'm curious to hear what yours are. If I could play any Big Ten team every year, it would be Michigan State. And that's I I have a feeling I know who yours is going to be, and I'm close, but – I've won more, too many words in mine for you, uh, but it would be Michigan State. I think it's a rivalry that I respect a lot more. Uh, it's yep. a rivalry. There's a lot more loyalty between the two schools, in my opinion. You know, Michigan State was trying to push to get Notre Dame in the Big Ten while Michigan was fighting to keep them out of the Big Ten. So screw Michigan is my default stance in all circumstances. Uh, so, But I, I just think there's a, to me there's a lot of respect. And Michigan and Michigan State have also – Everybody talks about some of the great games Notre Dame and Michigan have played. Michigan State and Notre Dame have played in some great games or with some yeah. great finishes. I think of the, the 2006 game uh, everybody talks about. We always talk about Little Giants. But remember, 05 was a great game, too, where Michigan State got a big lead. Notre Dame came back, sent it to overtime. Michigan State won in overtime. I was watching the game the other day. What was it, 02, when Carlo Holiday hit uh, – uh, was it Omar Jenkins? Ar- Arnez battle on, like, this little quick mm. slant route. Arnez, like, with a minute something left takes it the distance to win the game. There's been some great games between those two teams. The the 13 game that Notre Dame won that that ruined a chance for Michigan State to have an undefeated season. They went 13 and 1 that year. Uh going all the way back to 1966 in the in the big tie. So that's a great rivalry that I have a lot of respect for um and would be a game that I and as soon as I said that Thomas Wilkinson just texts 1966, right? I mean so so we're going back decades where there's been some yeah. great matchups between Notre Dame and Michigan State. That would be the one for me that I would go with in the Big 10. What say you Mr. Roberts? Mine would be Michigan. I know you don't like it, but I despise Michigan. I would love to beat Michigan every single year and Michigan's also gaining a lot of traction as far as being one of the Midwest powers, you know, as far as recently recruiting has got picked yeah. up. They've been the back-to-back playoffs. I would like to send them back to reality in theory, yeah. potentially. Yeah. So Michigan would be mine. I would like to let Ohio State handle that uh, for me. Well, ACC, what would be the ACC team that you would want to play? And there's a few angles I could go with this one, Ryan. 
the one ACC team that I would like to play consistently is would probably be uh, – I'm torn because part of me wants to say Miami because of that mm-hmm. rivalry, but like Miami's just not that school anymore. And I, so like playing, other, I like playing Clemson personally. I, I was going to say Florida State. Money. There's at least a little yeah. bit of history there. Yeah. Clemson's good because I, what I don't – I mean, if we're talking about legitimately building a schedule, let's say Notre Dame was going to say we're going to – we're going to build a new schedule where we play one team from every conference. Oh, you know what? Uh, th- that would have to change, obviously, here in a couple of years it, when USC goes to the Big Ten also. But mm-hmm. as of right now, USC's the pick in the would be my pick in the Pac-12. But it would be, be interesting to see what, what changes when that when that happens. We'll, I'll ask that one here in a second, Ryan. But I'm going to probably go Florida State or Miami on that one. I'll probably lean towards Miami, Ryan, just because at least there's some history there. Although I'll say this to the one you said, I really like this budding rivalry that Notre Dame and Michigan and and Clemson have because it seems to me it's one out of respect. Like there's a respect between the two programs, but they battle hard. I mean, 2015 was a great game. You know, the the 2020 regular season was game was a great game. This year's game was hard fought, even though Notre Dame dominated. The 2018 playoff game was hard fought, even though Clemson, you know, obviously dominated in the second half. I think there's I like rivalries where the teams battle the heck out of each other, but there's a respect there as well. Yep. And Coach Sweeney says always says great things about Notre Dame. I feel like Clemson's fan base has a level of respect for Notre Dame that most fan bases don't have because they've seen Notre Dame battle them up close and personal. Uh, so uh, you know I, I I could see that one. I could, and, and Archer says we hate Clemson, but there isn't any respect. That's also partly because they beat your butts almost every time they played you guys as well. So. But uh, Notre Dame's had a little bit more success against Clemson there, buddy. I'm just giving Archer a hard time. But I, that that is so – that I'm, I'm, I I focus more on the, the old school rivalries, Ryan. But yep. there's a lot of merit to what you're saying with that, that – because they've played in some really good games, and there's a respect there that I like. Miami is just more of I'm still living in my heyday. There's not a lot about this Miami program that makes me want to play them. That's where I'm kind of torn on that sure. one. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So let's go SEC. What's the one SEC school that you'd like to play regularly? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Um, (laughs) I have two, and they're in the same state. LSU maybe, okay. I mean, possibly, yeah. I mean, they've, their names had some good luck at playing LSU in recent yep. years. And obviously there's a, there's a good storyline there of why yeah. Notre Dame would want to beat LSU. Right. So right. LSU, Tennessee is another one. Someone just popped in the chat that I would also agree with. I like Tennessee, Tennessee and Vanderbilt are mine. 
Yeah. Tennessee, I've I've made this case about Tennessee before. Um, I, I I have Vanderbilt because I do feel like at some point you have to have a rivalry that's academically oriented as well. You know, and so Vanderbilt would be one, but those would be my two: Vanderbilt or, or um, uh, Vanderbilt or Tennessee. I think, and, and I think ge- geographically it makes a lot more sense too, Ryan. It's you know, it's a state away, basically. You know, two like, states last, away. Last time Notre Dame played Vanderbilt, it was a pretty good football game too. So it know. was, yeah. it was. But there's like it's one of those few institutions down there that you're kind of like minded with, you know, with yeah. with the academic emphasis and all that kind of stuff. So that would be one for me uh, to consider. Give me one of the two Tennessee teams. Yep. Let's go pack tw- or uh, Big Twelve, Ryan. We're just kind of going around the clock here, the national clock, and we're going to okay. go with current current Big Twelve and current Pac twelve teams. Okay, so I can use BYU in this one then because I yes. just kind of like playing. You can BYU. also use like Texas and Oklahoma and, and yeah. them, right? So yeah. I, I don't know why there's not like a huge reasoning for it, but I kind of just like playing BYU. I think BYU is an interesting team. I think that there's you know the the religious oriented type of institution. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of like it. They've played some know. good games too, Ryan. To your point, yeah. I mean they've they've had some battles. Notre Dame and BYU have had some battles. I kind of like that one. I mean, I would also consider, I would also consider TCU. You know, Texas Christian, even though they don't really yeah. go by that as much anymore, they just kind of go more by TCU because Ryan without give me an opportunity to get into that Dallas Fort Worth area, which there's a lot of talent. Um, part of me would say Texas, but I, I don't know. I just maybe because when I grew up playing Texas, Notre Dame just kind of whooped Texas all the time. So it's just kind of like not a really rivalry that I had a, a lot of respect for. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So may, maybe TCU. Um, yeah, I, I do. Th- I do think having a rivalry of a Texas school would be very yeah advantageous. Yeah. Though it would be for agree, sure. agree. You know, it's funny. One of the best games that Notre Dame ever played against a team that's currently in the Big Twelve is the the Cotton Bowl against Houston, the Joe Montana Chicken Soup game. So there's there's a little bit there, but I don't know if I'd want to have that as a rivalry. But I, I could see Texas. I just I don't know. You know, it's weird. I've never just really felt like Texas is a school that I had a ton of interest in playing all the time. I don't know why. Yeah. I, strange, but it would make most sense, you know, national powerhouse and all that. But it just never really. TCU is interesting, me. though. I like TCU. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Pack twelve, Ryan. Current Pack twelve. USC. Uh, I'm going to ask this one two ways. So yeah, USC. Yeah. So once USC leaves, and mm-hmm. you have to pick another Pack twelve school of the you ones see, we know they're going to be in there right now, who would that UCLA, be? UCLA, UCLA, maybe. Well, they're going to also be in the Big Ten. Oh, they they're going to. Yep. Dang. Um. Yep. Sure. This would be mine. I like Washington's this one. That's a good one. Yeah, Washington's a good it, one. There's also some history there. You know, yeah. they've, they've played each other before multiple times. Uh, somebody said Cal. I, I, I wouldn't have a lot of interest in playing Cal. I, I have no interest in playing Stanford long term. Maybe uh, Oregon. I don't, I, I, uh, you know, one you know, for me, because of recruiting, I would say Arizona. I would want to get down into Arizona. That's a budding state, man. That's a that's a booming state from a talent standpoint. Yeah. So I could say Arizona, uh, but Washington or Arizona would be the ones for me. Arizona's interesting. Yeah. Someone said Oregon yeah. State. No thanks. I don't want any. Well, of that. you know that's some, yeah, that's, that's some painful memories coming back right there, man. But uh, yeah, Arizona would be one for me. That's but that's just geographic. There's no like ties there. There's no rivalry there. It just would be well, pure. Oregon State, State would also be like one of those pesky games that you just get beat up in all the time. Just like nah, I'm good. Yeah. Man. <laughs> I don't yeah. Know, that's and so there's good. nothing in it for beating you, for beat for them for you beating them. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing in it for you to be that them. one player from Oregon every seven years. Like, yeah. Good, man. <laughs> no. yeah well, like we're at least Arizona. That's like a state where they're starting to really yeah. produce a lot more talent, but yeah, it's, yeah. 
It's I'll be, slim I'll be pickings. completely honest, man. That's like one of those schools where I'm like, nope, I don't need my guys getting beat yeah. up this week. Like, I'm good. <laughs> Here's an interesting one that somebody just brought up. Utah. Like they played, one, they though, played man. I feel like my, my bodies are just going to get beat up all the yeah, time. Yeah, that's true. Like, I don't know. That's I don't true. know. That's what, then, then pick Vanderbilt as your SEC opponent, and you're yeah. good to go. So, yeah. Sure. Sure. That's an interesting one. But, yeah, I kind of like playing one of the two Arizona schools would be one for me. I, I do. One. I, do. I, would li- I would like just seeing them play Utah at some point, though, because you know I have a lot of respect for that coaching yeah. staff. But, and I'll yeah. tell you, their, their fans, when, noted, when they came here in 2010, were awesome. Really cool fans. Like, really cool fans. So, yeah, good good question. I'll try a little bit of fun with that one. We have a super chat down, a couple of super chats down here we'll get to here, Ryan. Charlie Weiss's last belt loop. Thank you, Charlie. Says in 2023, Drake Bowen seemed to be the lead recruiter. 2024, CJ Carr. Who do you see in 2025 being a big recruiter in the class, or is it way too soon to make that option? It's a great question, Charlie. I would also say, though, like, can we add in Cam Williams and Carson Hobbs into the 2024 bucket? Like, it's not just CJ, right? Like, it's really not. Big time. CJ gets the credit, Ryan, because he's the quarterback. But I mean, I, I hear Cam Williams' name mentioned just as much, if not more. 100%. Uh, than I do CJ's, yep. honestly. I agree. Jack Larson is also very involved in rec- helping yes. recruiting, and nobody talks about him at all. Ever. So it's, ever. It's, it's, there's several guys that are strong yep. recruiters in this class. I mean, Charlie, it's it's a tough question because Notre Dame only has two commits, obviously, in 2025, and Davion Dixon and Nate Roberts. I do think that both of them can be really good recruiters for him because I will say this. The big reason why Jarquez Carter, who is another defensive tackle in the state of Florida, is visiting Notre Dame at the end of the month is because of his relationship with Davion Dixon. Like, that's a big part of this conversation, right? I also think Nate Roberts. Nate's not, like, the most, like, social media-heavy guy, so I don't know how that would react. But, like, I think people would listen to Nate Roberts if he said something, right? Like, I definitely believe that. But I think it's going to be... You know, if they get, if they land a Deuce Knight, for instance, right? Like that's a ringleader for your class. I think one of the offensive linemen, to Brian's point, because usually the offensive linemen are super quiet. I could see both, let's say, Owen Strebig or Roman Byrne, if either one of those guys gets in the class sometime soon. Like those guys are outgoing, talkative offensive linemen that I could be like, yep, they're going to recruit their butts off of. So yes. there's a few of the guys and. But I think, you know, quarterback and then a couple of those offensive linemen especially are interesting. telling you, I'm, I'm hoping it's Taylor Taylor. <laughs> I'm going to keep saying that. I'm going to keep saying that. Oh, man. Let's go with uh, let's go with some, this next one here from James O'Reilly. James says, love the show. Thank you, James. So glad I found it. Nothing against blue and golds, but Horka and Singer aren't worthy. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much. I appreciate the kind words. I do. Um yeah, so I'm glad you found it too, and we'll definitely keep up the the great work, the, the the work. We'll definitely do our best. There's no doubt about it. We had a question from John Leahy who said, based on the 2024 recruits, what style of running back is needed in 25 class to have a diverse backfield? We've talked about that a little bit, yeah. obviously, John. I mean, I think Justin Thurman brings something that you don't have a ton of on the roster right now. Like I think that Jeremiah Love just kind of one, yeah, right, yeah, just yeah. kind of one. Yeah, I would say so. So I think he brings that dynamic. Can maybe chalk in Jadarian Price into that. But I just think Jadarian's, Jadarian's a little bit of a different run. Like Jadarian's more of an every down back type of yeah. guy to me, all, all on top of being a home. I think Jadarian and Kedron Young are more similar, in my opinion, in running style than necessarily than than um, Thurman and Jadarian, if that makes sense. I, I don't Yeah. Speed-wise, speed-wise, yeah. there's a comparison. Body yeah. type-wise, a comparison. Running style is, is what I'm saying is a little yeah. different. Well, I'd say the, the niche really does matter. And I would say this, though. I mean, if we're kind of forecasting the future, 
Audrey Castame, most I mean, unless something terrible happens, is not going to be on the roster in 2025, right? So Usman Chroma would bring a different dimension to that, but Kedron Young will also be in the in the conversation. So I really think it's a pick your flavor, but I mean, I think the flavor that Notre Dame's going after is some guys that I think you said earlier, Brian does less with more. I mean, does more with less, excuse me. And I think. Does more with less. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I switched it up after I said it wrong yeah. the first time. So. Uh, I think I froze because you were like oh. this. I didn't hear it. So I apologize. Gotcha. 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 We had a question from James O'Reilly who says, what first year player transfer or freshman not named Sam Hartman do you think will have the biggest impact this season? I think Thomas Harper will step up nicely for Tariq Brees. That's a good one. That's for, that's definitely a good one, Ryan. Uh, uh, let's go with one on each side of the ball. Um, First-year player or uh, transfer not named Sam Hartman on offense that you think will have the biggest impact. I'm going to come down to one of the two uh, early enrollees that played a bunch, that got a lot of time. I think it's going to come down to uh, Jaden Greathouse or Rico Flores, one of those two. Is, is who yeah. I look at offensively. You could maybe consider De- – I think Devin Ford, if there's some injuries, could definitely be that guy. I think Devin Ford could be a good back for Notre Dame. I do. It's interesting. We one. don't talk about him a ton. Uh, it's just – because, again, it's about opportunity. Yeah. But I could see one of the two freshman receivers, just the, Jayden, the more high-ceiling guys for sure. Jaden Greathouse would be my one pick. The other other wild card is Charles Jagasaw at some yep. point this season if he's back healthy and maybe taking over a guard spot eventually. Yep. We shall see, though. I, yeah, I, I'm going to keep my next thought to myself because, no, I'm going to say it. I, I could see Cooper Flanagan being a surprise player for Notre Dame, especially if there's some injuries. I, we've said this before, Ryan. You and I have been saying this for a long time. That kid brings a skill set that they just don't have really on the tight end right now, especially with Eli Raritan now, because Eli Raritan is the only guy that brings that blocking skill set to the table like, like Cooper can. I could see him – you know, I could see him making an impact this year. I just don't know if it'll be in a way that people notice. He could be a great blocker, yeah. and nobody'll talk about it because he doesn't. If he doesn't catch a ton of balls, sure. But I, I, I really like Cooper Flanagan. I wish we could have seen him in a different offense in high school. I Agreed. really do because he's really good. And the last two-way player they got from De La Salle turned out to be pretty good. You know, pretty set good. the school's all-time sack record. <laughs> so it's not not bad at all. Not bad at all. We had a question from Jake Smith who said, I'm planning to go to my first Notre Dame game in South Bend this year. Being from Tampa, Florida, do you guys have any travel advice or general advice to make the most of the weekends? Well, one thing I always say is try to be there for two full days. So if you can fly in early Friday or come in late Thursday night and uh, spend a ton of time on campus, man, there's stuff to do around town. There's places to eat and all that, you know, it's, Go to try to go to Rocco's or something like that. If you're looking for like a place that's kind of nostalgic, have have breakfast at Original Pancake House, which is right by campus. Really good food, um, you know. So those type of things. But in regard to like, being being in part of the environment, just be around all day. If they have a pep rally that day, do it. Make sure you see the trumpets under the dome, which is really trumpets in front of the dome now. Hopefully that goes back to being under the dome this year. That would be nice. It should happen. But, uh, you know, we'll see we'll see kind of how they how they handle that situation this year. But like just do it all. I mean, I don't know if they'll have like stadium. Do they I don't know. I think they still do stadium tours on Friday. I think they still do those. I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure of that. If they do do that, Um, you know, get to the bookstore, not on game day. It's crazy on game day. Try to get there Friday Uh, and then and then definitely, definitely do the player walk. 
Like that is definitely a thing to do if you've never been to a game before. It's definitely yeah. something you got to do once where you're there when the players uh, come out of the Basilica. You'll definitely want to do that as well. It's it's a really cool deal. Really cool yeah. deal. You definitely want to try yeah. that out. And I mentioned that the same the, the, that before. Spending as much time on campus, like yeah. get there early, early, early. Yeah. They get they do like the schedule thing online that you can find. But yeah, I mean trumpets for sure. Player walk, go to the grotto, light the light the candle, do all that type of stuff. It's really walk cool. around the lake. It is yeah. especially in the fall. It, if yeah. you're, depending on when you're coming, it is beautiful over there. Yeah, really. Late late summer or, or fall, it's beautiful. It's just different. Like late summer, like September and all that, it's green. It's yeah. and then fall it turns like this orange, red, yellow mix. It's just absolutely beautiful, absolutely stunning. And and go to go to the go to the parking lot, Jake, and hang out around some of the tailgaters, man. Even yeah. if you don't drink, it's a good time. A good yeah. Time. And the other thing too, Ryan, is I always tell people, uh, and I've never said it in the show, but I'll say it now. If you're making your first trip to campus, don't focus about on things around the town. Focus on being on campus. Then your second trip, you can explore more of the area and the restaurants and stuff. Um, the food is solid, but I always say eat at Legends because you're on yeah, campus. It's good. like you know, it's 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 it, the food's solid. It's 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 better than you'd think it would be for like an on-campus restaurant. I I like Legends, I do. Uh, but uh, but you're right there. There's all types of Notre Dame stuff all on the walls. It's pretty cool. There, there's there's a bunch of alumni walking around. I mean, I yeah. I went last time I was in town and it was. Um, Robert Hainsey and that crew were just chilling at the bar. I was like, oh, so man, let's go. Yeah. Type of thing. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's get to this. Here. Matthew Jacobs has said, I may have joined late, but how is CJ Carr not in the on three top 10 quarterback list? Uh, we're doing this. They have him slated at number 14. Am I missing something on or is on three just that abysmal? I think they're core. Here's what I'll say. Um, I don't care a whole lot for Charles Powers rankings, but I'll say this. There are some positions I think he's pretty good at evaluating. I do. Um, others, I think he's pretty not good. But I, I think that um, – I think running back is one, from what I can tell, he's pretty good at. Uh, they had Jeremiah Love higher than anybody else last year. They have Kedron Young as a top under, And it's not just Notre Dame guys. Um there were some other guys that I thought were really good players that um, that other people had a, a little higher that he didn't have higher. So I think that's a position that, and that's the thing I'd say to people is like, look, you, you not everybody sucks at everything, and not everybody's good at evaluating everything. I think he's terrible at evaluating quarterbacks, right? And it goes back to last year when he didn't have Dante Moore; he had him like barely as a top fifty guy, right? Um, the kid that they had from that's going to Michigan State that they had as a top hundred player last year, that kid. Has no business being a top hundred player. None. Wait, who is this? Uh, on three, um, mm. they're they're two thousand and here I'll pull it up. It's this kid that you probably never even heard of. They had a quarterback named where is that kid? Sam Levitt from Oregon. I don't know him. Who's committed to to or to, to Michigan? Who's going to Michigan State? He's a mediocre player. Everybody else, I believe, had him as a three star, and in that cases, I think they were all correct. But he had this kid ranked ahead of. You know, some really good Hakeem Williams, Jeremiah Love, some really good foot. Shelton Sampson, they had uh, A.J. Harris at 87. That was a bad grade. They had that kid above Christian Gray. They had Brandon Ennis as the – I think he's bad at rec- evaluating receivers. You know, Brandon Ennis is the number 94 player in the country. I don't think Ryan Wingo is a top 100 uh, – I mean a five-star, but they have him at like 90-something. 
on on three. Like there's just some really rough rankings, and it's not just there's just some positions I just don't think he's very good at evaluating. And quarterback is absolutely one. And here's the other thing too: how do you have Air Noland? Who, who again, Ryan? You know I'm extremely high on Air Air Noland, especially going to Ohio State. Like I like Air Noland a lot. I have no problem with Air Noland's ranking. Let's just be clear on this. He has. How do you have Air Noland at number forty three? And CJ Carr's number 193, because they're basically identical players, except CJ has a stronger arm and is more athletic. I, I it's like there's just it's just bizarre. Like there has to be some sort of there's got to be something. I'm at the point now, Ryan, where it's like there's got to be something personal with you that, yeah. at this one. Like I it just it's so bizarre and it's so far off of what everybody else has CJ that it's like it's just gotta be personal. Man. What's he that? Keeps fall, he keeps falling too. He's going to be out of the top 200 soon. Yeah. I mean, it's just weird. There's no way there. Now, you could argue, right? I think CJ's a five star. And I think, depending on what your criteria is, you can make a case that CJ Carr is not a five star. Totally fine. Right. Especially if you're someone who's, who's looking at the NFL. I, I get that. I get that. But to not have him as a top 100 guy. Yeah. It's just bizarre to me. Like to me, he should at least be a top 50 guy. And again, if you wanted to have him around where you have Air Nolan, because you're like, hey, look, I'm I'm someone who's big into tools. I like that's why I have Dylan Rayola higher. That's why I have DJ Lagway higher, even though they may not have the accuracy, and stuff, but they have monster arms. OK, fine. I'm cool. I, I can actually live with that because at least I can say I understand it. I get it. I don't agree with it. Like Nico. I thought Nico was a little overrated last year. Didn't bother me because I understand why he's got a yep. phenomenal arm and the upside is so great that he could end up making them all look like geniuses and be a top five NFL draft pick, right? I mean, if yep. Nico goes to Tennessee and develops into a top ten NFL draft pick, right? Would you be surprised? No, no, I wouldn't either. Is he that guy right now? No, nowhere close, no. No. right? But with some of these kids, you look at and say, I, I don't understand that one at all. There's just no rhyme or reason to why this ranking is what it is, and CJ's is that way. And there's a lot like that. I just, I just think there are some positions he's really not good at evaluating. And that's the problem with having one person do like that, do an entire evaluation is I just don't think he's very good at it. So, but I will say this again, I don't think it's a Notre Dame thing. I don't. And I know they had some, they had a lot of Notre Dame kids fall in the, in the latest rankings. Um, you had Cam Kedron Young fell 10 spots, but he still ranked way higher by on three than anyone else. Yeah, you know, uh, Aeneas Williams th- dropped twenty-one spots. Micah Gilbert dropped nineteen spots. Styles um, Logan Thomas dropped sixty-eight spots. Bronte Johnson dropped eleven spots. He completely dropped Kingston Villiama Asa out of the top three hundred. He doesn't have him in his top three hundred. So again, top three hundred. Yeah, what? yeah. He's also bad at linebacker. This is the same guy that dropped Jaden Osbury and Drake Bowen down last year, right? So I mean, he's just bad at evaluating linebackers. But he also he also ranks he also jumped uh, Anthony Knapp up twenty one spots. He ranks Anthony Knapp way higher than anybody else, and he also yeah. jumped uh, Styles Prescott up from number one eighty nine to one eighty, and he jumped Bryce Young up from number two thirty seven up to number one ninety five. So again, I don't think the guy has any anti Notre Dame feelings. I don't. I just think he's bad at evaluating certain positions, linebacker yeah. and and receiver and quarterback being at the top of that list for me. But I I haven't hated his cornerback grades. I, I disagree with some. But I can usually understand it. I, I disagree with his. Um, I, I think his defensive line grades are pretty decent. I think he's a pretty good offensive line evaluator. Uh, definitely some. I, I think he tends to overrate offensive linemen nationally. But as far as the ranking of the offensive linemen, like he had Jay Vin Williams ranked way higher than anybody else last year. Brian, the kid going to Penn yeah. State. 
And as you know, I had no problem with that because I think that guy's a stud. Like I had no problem with him ranking Javen higher than everybody else. Uh, I don't. I don't but, like thinking but about number that nine overall. School. That's yeah. a little too high for me. I don't like thinking about that high school because it brings back Caleb Brewer memories. Yeah, so very bad memories. Yes. Very bad memories. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll ask this one, Ryan, because this is more of a you question. Uh, Jake Roosman asks: Is Notre Dame still a potential landing spot for 2024 linebacker Chris Cole? He released his top ten yesterday and had Notre Dame on the list. I mean, it's it's one of those things where Jake like you release a top 10, right? And it's like these 10 are the schools that I've heard the most from, right? And the schools that have had some type of impact in me in this recruitment. Uh, No, we don't anticipate Notre Dame being a player for Chris Cole. That's just kind of where we are. I think that they had gained some traction and it was going in an okay direction, but I mean, it was just a little too late at that point. So, I mean, he's going to go to Penn State or stay down South more than likely. So that's kind of where we are right now. We're going to stick with linebacker here for this next question, Ryan. Charlie Weiss's last bout, Lou. What happens if Bradley Shaw and Kingston Villiamo Asa both go to other schools? Will Notre Dame just wait until next year? I think what they'll do, Ryan, is they'll keep their eyes open during the season for some breakout type of player, right? But they'll also be perfectly okay, I think, staying on Kingston, right? I think they'll do that. Staying on a couple guys that they really liked and then focusing on next year because next year's class yeah. is so loaded. And they're yeah. actually in a decent position with the uh, now we don't know if they're going to be able to stay in a decent position, but they're actually in a sure. decent position with next year's guys. And the other thing, too, is if Max Bulla hangs around for more than a year, which is all James Laronitis was here for, you're starting to hear his name a lot more to 25 kids. So sure. I think they're wisely trying to have him say, Hey, man, you got here late to 24 kids. Like, I mean, got here late, meaning like hired. Like, you can't fault yes. the guy for not recruiting kids to your school when he's yeah, not, not at your fault. school. Yeah. But, you know, the, the 25 kids. But I would say that um, there are 24 kids, but you're definitely seeing him more and more and more with 25 kids. So I think that is, is a bit of a factor as well. Agree. Agree. I, I think that it's. Because, Charlie, it's a great – it is a good question, right? I mean, because there's the two linebackers that are on the board. That's the two linebackers on the board. And there is a possibility that you don't get either one. I mean, that is a possibility that you have to talk about and you have to be okay with. Not be okay with, but something that – a reality that you have to realize is out there, right? So I think that for me it's a big thing. And we've talked about this with a couple different positions. But, yes, I would keep my eyes open because there's always going to be those late risers. There's always going to be the kids during the evaluation period. You're like, I didn't know about that kid. And he's only committed to a lesser school that we know that maybe we could flip. Like Armel Milcom's an example, right? Like Armel, oh, right. Stanford, cool. Meets all the foundational things we like, but we are higher than him. Let's get him out of there. So right. there's always going to be kids like that. Right. Brandon Hillman's another guy they found late yeah. in the process. Yeah, guys like yeah. that. Yeah, you definitely don't want to reach. You, you don't want to waste a scholarship, and then you can't take a fourth guy next year on a kid that you're just bringing in to fill a roster spot. I said, go to the portal for you for a year. I mean, that's yeah. that's what I literally what I would do uh, before I would I would take that leap. Got a few more here, Ryan. We'll, we'll, before we wrap up, Mister Two says seems people aren't excited enough about some players Notre Dame has landed. Case in point. Is Logan Thomas not the archetype of what Notre Dame wants at the Viper position in terms of being an athletic tweener? He is. You're not wrong. I think Mr. 2.0, I think part of the problem is, is just because I do think some of the players in this class are not ranked appropriately. I, I yeah. really do. Like, I think the Ryan, are terrible I, this year, man. Terrible. They are. Here's an example. If if Leonard, I'm gonna I'm gonna go down the list and if if Leonard Moore, Cole Mullins. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else I really want to bang on the table for. 
as far as in this regard. Maybe Styles Prescott, but I think I think like on three, I think has Styles right about one eighty, right? Like that's that's I'm good with that because he's still kind of raw, you know, but talented. But Leonard Moore to me should be a borderline top hundred guy. He's definitely top one fifty guy. Cole Mullins should be a top hundred guy to me. If just those two kids alone were ranked appropriately, along with Bronte Johnson, just those two kids alone, then I think that this 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 um, the feeling people have about this class would be a lot different. If Bodie Cahoon was was ranked on his upside and not where he is right now, and they'll do that with other guys, right? And they'll rank yeah. other players based on their upside. You know, just I say, okay, well, like I think the feeling of him. The, you know, th- it would also factor into it. So I, I think that there's some Notre Dame kids in this class. And I, and I think Cole Mullins is the biggest, the biggest one for me, because at least rivals somewhat has Leonard Moore appropriately ranked. Like, like I think Leonard Moore should he, he dropped down to the one nineties recently. Yeah. That's too low, but it's not cra- I mean, Ryan, if you're like within a 50 or so range uh, outside the top hundred, I can live with that. You know, I think he should be inside the top one fifty. But it's not nuts. It's slightly lower than I think it should be. But everybody else has him as a three star. Yeah. And, and and I watch. Have you watched Chris Jones on film by chance? Chris Jones, the linebacker, the kid from Virginia. Yeah. yeah. Thoughts on on him compared to Bodie Cahoon? Good solid player. Not as much upside. Right. Yeah. Right. But so decently high floor, right? Yeah, to me, yeah. Bodie Cahoon should have his ranking. Now I think two four seven has him ranked a little too high at one hundred two. But like rivals one thirty nine on three two ninety three. Like to me, it, I would much rather have Bodie Cahoon in this class and have him rank somewhere in between those two spots for me. Like he's a top two fifty kid for me, just on talent yeah. alone to me. Yeah. But for some reason, he's not. He's just only one of the service has him as a four star. So I think those three guys are probably the the most egregious. I have Cole Mullins as a top hundred player. If Cole Mullins was appropriately ranked. Like Logan Thomas for me is is another one. Part of the problem, Mister Two Point is he's actually ranked somewhat high, top two hundred t- caliber player, which is about where he should be. He's so raw, Ryan. I can't justify having him you know, higher than top one fifty, right? Yeah. I just I can't. And one sixty nine is a little low, uh, probably for me, but it's it's within the range of I'm comfortable with. I'd probably have him like one forty to one sixty. It's probably where I have him right now, Logan, because he is kind of raw. But uh, when when I look at it though he's not getting talked a lot about because people are still emotionally upset about not getting Elijah rushing and, you know, Justin Scott, that that's, yeah. that's part of it is people are still emotional about, Oh, Al, Al Washington's, this is a terrible defensive line class. Uh, no, they came up a guy short of D tackle. This is a heck of a defensive end class, right? I mean, it is in my opinion, especially for Notre Dame, but if Cole Mullins was ranked appropriately, the view that people will have of Elijah rushing as a need or Malachi Williams as a need would be different, in my opinion. Like that's what it comes down to for me. So we can say we don't care about recruiting rankings, but in reality, people do. That's right. because that drives the agenda of of where a kid, your feelings about a kid. If, if Cole Mullins was ranked nationally, where I have him, the view of this defensive line class is completely different. Completely different because now you have three, four star top two hundred kids. And one being a top hundred kid in Cole Mullins, we just say, man, that Justin Scott was a big loss, but man, that's still a pretty good group. You know, I think they maybe should maybe go after another one, but that's a pretty damn darn good group. Uh, but I just think the ranking is way off. Like same with Peter Jones, like how some people have him as a three star, 
Yeah, it's weird. Like Rivals has Styles Prescott as a middle of the road three star. Like, okay, I get if you want to have him like not in your top two fifty because he's still raw, that's fine. But not even a four star, not even a high three star. What are we doing here? Like Isaiah Canyon's that way. How do you have him in the top one hundred and one service, and the other one has him as a middle of the road three star? It's just it's so screwy. It really it's, is nuts, man. It, it just feels more feels more this year than last year too. It's it really does. Odd. It odd. does. It really is, man. It really is. It's got a few more here. Jason Smith, who are who are your two 2024 guys, one defense, one offense, who take biggest jumps in senior year of high school? That's a good question. We had, we had this one asked similarly recently. Yeah, so of the Notre Dame class, right, we're yeah. referring to here? Yep. Biggest jumps. Uh, I think defensively, I think Bodie Cahoon's my pick because I think that he's going to be in his first full year as a linebacker. Yeah. I think people forget about that. He was literally a safety to start the 2022 season. So I'm excited to see Bodie in a full year at linebacker. Offensively? Man, that's a great question offensively. I don't know. Yeah. I, I have less of – I think it's going to be Styles, Styles for me because he's put on like 20 pounds. This yeah. all, he was up in the 280s during his visit. I think he's gonna have a really good senior year. So because you know, CJ's already ranked really high. Aeneas yeah. is already incredibly productive. Kedron's already incredibly productive. Cam and Micah, Cam, I, you know, the other one maybe is Micah Gilbert. I could see he him having like a yeah, put up really good numbers and and be a guy that has a big senior year jump. Because we're talking about on the field, right? Not rankings, we're talking about on the field. Defensively. Ryan, I have an, a really – I think I think uh, Logan Thomas is going to have a monster year this year. I think they're going to have him – use him more as, a, as an edge guy this season. Yeah. I think he's – he's he's and he's – we've seen him fill out a lot in the speed. I think he's going to have a big year. You know who I hope has a big jump as a senior? Carson Hobbs. Yeah. I really hope he has a big jump as a senior. I'd really like to see that. Really like to see that. I hope Anthony Knapp takes a big step forward this year yeah. for me because I'm not it's the a good one. biggest Anthony Knapp guy yeah. of all time, but we shall see. Uh, agree. We had Patrick King who said, war game play. Sam Hartman goes out in the second half of the Ohio State game. Notre Dame wins. Returns at the bowl time. Who is his replacement? So that's game five. Yep. I'm going to go Kenny Minchie. Yeah, I would also go Kenny Minchie. Yep. I would also go that's Kenny That's what Minchie. I'm going with. Yep. We had a question from Ray Holcraft. What's up, Ray? How has the evolution changes in pro football over the last 20, 15 to 20 years impacted individual positions on defense in college football? And how has the impacted recruiting at Notre Dame, if at all? Wow, that's a great question. I, I don't know. I would. I, this is going to sound weird. I actually think – I don't think that the changes in pro football have impacted – positions on defense in college football. I think the changes and evolution in college football has changed defenses in, in college. Like you can't really run what Notre Dame runs ran in 2012 anymore because there's just no, there's no teams that do that anymore. I mean, who, who does that match up against you? You can't even say Wisconsin anymore, right? I mean, they're going yeah. to a, an air raid. Who does that match up against anymore? You'd be playing literally 95% of the game in your nickel package. So I think it has to do with that. I think that we're seeing because of the spread, the air raid, the those two things, and, and I do view them as different, even though there's some overlap in some areas. But 
you have to get more guys in the field. You can't run a 4-3 like you did. Like the Denver Broncos, 1998-798 teams, we've talked about that, right? Like the three starting middle line, the three starting linebackers, right? They had Bill Romanowski, Alan Aldridge, and uh, um, John Mo, not John Mobley. Yeah. yeah. Mobley. Yeah. John Mobley. Yeah. Uh, as your three linebackers. And then Aldridge left, I think, the next year, and Glenn Cadrez took over, or maybe it's vice versa. But Roman, you, you, you don't, you, you're never, you won't see that now. You won't see three linebackers like that. I mean, they were all three inside linebackers, right? And, and you won't see that now. You just, you can't line up with that kind of personnel unless you have some freak as one of your linebackers. But so I think it's more of the changes and how does it recruited change or impact the recruiting at Notre Dame? It's, it's put a greater emphasis for Notre Dame on you have to get more skill now, right? I mean, you have to get more athletes. You can't be that big bully ball team with the big physical Mantis and a bunch of those guys. You can have a Manti, but the guys around him better be Jeremiah Wusukoromoas and Drew Tranquils and Jay Nosbury's and Drake Bowens and Nolan Ziggler's and Jalen Sneeds, right? I mean, it can't be like the car. You'll, you won't see Dan, Fa- I mean, Calor Calor Calabrese and Manti Teo starting side by side anymore. Right. Not on a team that wants to play be on good on defense. You can have Manti, but you can't have Carlo. So I, I just think it's that. And I, I think we've we're we're going to where there's more of a need for DBs than there used to be. I mean, you have to have a five and six DB packages. I mean, who who can get away with not having a nickel and a dime in some degree nowadays, Ryan? And I'm not talking about like last two minutes of a game. I'm talking about in as your base defense against some teams. I mean, you, right. you kind of have to now. So for me, I think those are the biggest things is it, it's just and, – and then what that does is for Notre Dame at some positions, the athletes you need are no longer from your backyard. You right. now have to recruit nationally even more than you had before. You used to recruit nationally because you could, right? Now you have to recruit nationally even more even more so than they did before because of those changes. So I, that, that's my answer to it, Ryan. I don't know what you think. I don't know what you think about that one. I, I think I think that it has eased the uneasiness of tweeners in today's game mm-hmm. is how I would kind of phrase it. It's a great point. Running backs and wide receivers, the line has gotten blurred a little bit, and you can utilize that type of player. Chris Tyree, perfect example of a guy. Percy Harvin is another guy that's an example. Debo Samuel going into the NFL, obviously, you know, the trajectory. Defensively, especially with the four two five, I mean, there's it wasn't long ago that 15 years ago to your question, Ray, 10 years ago to your question, Jalen Sneed would be a guy that some defensive coordinators would look at and be like, I don't know what to do with that 215 pound guy. Not sure what to do with him. He can't play inside linebacker at 210 pounds and he's not a true safety. Where the heck do I put him with the Rover position? You know exactly where to put him now. Know exactly where to put him. And then if he grows bigger, then he can move inside. That's cool. Corners and safeties. That line has gotten blurred a little bit. Nichols outside corners. That line has gotten blurred a little bit. Wide receiver tight end has gotten blurred a little bit. Yeah. Some of these positions have just gotten blurred, and I think there's more a, a easiness to adopting the tweeners, right? Oh, yeah. oh, it's okay. You don't have exactly a 1% of a home, but I can use you in some capacity. I can use you yeah. to come here, play ball. Ryan, it used to be you could build around linebackers in the NFL, especially. Like, you could build around linebackers. Teams don't really build around linebackers anymore. Right. Like to me, in a lot of ways, linebackers becoming like running back. I mean, 20, 30 years ago, you built your franchise. If you, unless you had like a a Hall of Fame quarterback, you built your franchise around your ability to run the football and your linebackers. Yep. Now, those are two of the most, the the, the positions that that have a big role in that linebacker and running back are two of the most like, okay, well, you know, that's 
We don't, you know, we're not, it's like Jack Campbell from Iowa. We were a little surprised he went as high as he did just because, you know, people view him as a two, two down Inside linebacker in the NFL. Right. Yeah. Like 20 years ago, 30 years ago, Jack Campbell's a top 10 overall draft pick. Easy. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. If not top five. I mean, he, he was that good. I mean, six, five, that speed and athleticism 30 years ago is a star. I mean, yeah. just star as far as how it's evaluated. Now, he was a phenomenal player in college. I'm more looking at the NFL type of it. You used to have – I mean, you coveted guys like that. Now it's like, wow, that guy got picked in the top 20? That's a surprise. You know, not because he wasn't a super talent. Like, I know, Ryan, you that was your evaluation when he got picked. And it had nothing to do with you didn't think he was a phenomenal player. It's just – that's just not how the NFL is anymore. I, I had a, I had a high second round grade on Jack. I like Jack a yeah. lot. I like Jack a Based lot. on where the now thirty years ago, twenty years ago, you wouldn't have had that low of a grade on him, and I don't think you would have. It would have been a much higher grade because that's where the game was. Same with running backs. Yeah. Jameer Gibbs twenty years ago is not picked as high as he was picked. You'd have had a complete flip. Now the running backs like him are the coveted ones, and the every down backs that we saw in the past are are, are the guys that that fall you know so it's it's really changed a lot and it'll it'll cycle again over the next 20 years well i don't know where it'll cycle to but it'll it'll still continue to cycle it always does the game always evolves yep it always does well ryan that's gonna do it man for uh for today's show why don't you go ahead and take us out of here yep we appreciate you all so much for joining the Notre Dame recruiting hour today if you missed the beginning of the podcast we talked a lot about the running back group in 2025 previewed some of the more talented running backs that are born in Notre Dame, including a couple that are going to be visiting Notre Dame later this month. So make sure to go to boards at irishbreakdown.com. I have periodically over the last few days been putting more and more on the visitors list as far as guys that will be visiting for the July 30th recruiting barbecue. That is only a big event for Notre Dame this year. Already a crazy list, man. I feel like it's a pretty star-studded list at this point. So boards at irishbreakdown.com. We also had an interview with Rowan Byrne, offensive tackle out of Iona Prep in the state of New York during this podcast. So go back and listen to that. And of course, we hit the mailbag here at the end. So I want to thank everybody so much. Like, subscribe to the podcast, five-star reviews on any and all of your favorite podcast favorite podcast platforms. As I've already said, boards at irishbreakdown.com if you want to continue recruiting and team intel throughout the rest of the summer. We're only 50-something days away from college football, folks. So thank you all for joining us today on the Notre Dame Recruiting Hour, a part of the Irish Breakdown Podcast.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.